to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we are going to be looking at the case of Zipvit Limited and Commissioners for HMRC. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 15. Now, this case that we're looking at this week is about tax law and, in particular, input VAT. Before we get into the case itself, it is worth taking a minute to define some of these terms. VAT stands for value-added tax and is a tax that is paid on almost all goods and services in the UK. The difference between input VAT and output VAT most often comes up in the context of a business. Say you run a bakery, then when you sell a loaf of bread to a customer you would charge output VAT to that sale. However, you likely don't make the packaging for the bread as well and instead buy that from somewhere else. When you purchase those types of goods for your business, you would likely pay input VAT. In what is a similar sort of situation, the appellants in this case, Zipvit Limited, sell vitamins and minerals through the post. And the question here is whether the company can make deductions of input VAT for the postal services which the Royal Mail provides. For Royal Mail, their terms and conditions are fairly simple. A client has to pay for the services rendered plus any VAT that is chargeable. At the relevant time, there was no chargeable VAT, so Zipvit only paid for the commercial cost of Royal Mail's services, and the invoices reflected this. The problem was that the Court of Justice of the European Union later found that individually negotiated mail services were not exempt from VAT and should be chargeable. If this was known at the time, then the Royal Mail would of course have charged VAT and accounted for that to HMRC. Zipvit argued that under Article 168A of VAT Directive 2006-112, they would be allowed to deduct input VAT for this supply of services anyway. However, HMRC submit that this represents an incorrect interpretation of that EU directive. For a start, there was no VAT paid for the purposes of the directive here, And in any case, Zipvit certainly do not have any invoices that show VAT was due, so they should not be entitled to recover the input tax. Zipvit lost this case right the way up the court hierarchy, and so now appeals to the Supreme Court, where we will pick it up. The justices split things up into two key issues. Firstly, there was the question on whether VAT was in fact due or paid for the services rendered by Royal Mail. Zipvit is essentially arguing that the price it paid for this service should be taken to include an element of VAT, which is deductible, even if it is not something that was explicitly included on the invoice. For HMRC, this would amount to rewriting the commercial agreement between Zipvit and Royal Mail after the event, and this sort of retrospective action is simply not permitted under the directive. After all, Royal Mail have not requested VAT payments from Zipvit, and have not accounted for any such payments to HMRC. This means that if the appeal were to succeed, then Zipvit and potentially many other companies too would end up getting money from the taxpayer for free. The other issue that Lord Briggs and Sales pointed out in their judgement was around the invoice. On this point, Zipvit is arguing for a distinction between the formal and substantive requirements on any invoice. While the substantive requirements are strict and do have to be satisfied, there is a greater degree of flexibility when it comes to the formal content of any invoice, 
so long as evidence of VAT is available in some form or another. The argument from HMRC is that the directive makes it clear that invoices are of great importance, both in terms of form and content. Without that content, any claim by a company for a deduction must fail. In the end, the Supreme Court felt that the directive was not clear on either of these points, and so they ended up using the preliminary reference procedure to pose four questions to the Court of Justice of the European Union that are worth quoting in full. Number one, where firstly a tax authority, the supplier and the trader who is a taxable person misinterpret European VAT legislation and treat a supply, which is taxable at the standard rate, as exempt from VAT. Secondly, the contract between the supplier and the trader stated that the price for the supply was exclusive of VAT and provided that if VAT were due, the trader should bear the cost of it. Thirdly, the supplier never claims and can no longer claim the additional VAT due from the trader. And fourthly, the tax authority cannot or can no longer, through the operation of limitation, claim from the supplier the VAT which should have been paid. In those circumstances, is the effect of the directive that the price actually paid is the combination of a net chargeable amount plus VAT thereon, so that the trader can claim to deduct input tax under Article 168A of the directive as VAT, which was in fact paid in respect of that supply. Number two, alternatively, in those circumstances, can the trader claim to deduct input tax under Article 168A of the directive as VAT, which was due in respect of that supply? Number three, where a tax authority, the supplier and the trader who is taxable person, misinterpret European VAT legislation and treat a supply, which is taxable at the standard rate, as exempt from VAT, with the result that the trader is unable to produce to the tax authority a VAT invoice, which complies with Article 226, 9 and 10 of the directive, in respect of the supply made to it, is the trader entitled to claim to deduct input tax under Article 168A of the Directive? And finally, number four, in answering questions one to three, A, is it relevant to investigate whether the supplier would have a defence, whether based on legitimate expectation or otherwise, arising under national law or EU law, to any attempt by the tax authority to issue an assessment requiring it to account for a sum representing VAT in respect of that supply? And B, is it relevant that the trader knew at the same time as the tax authority and the supplier that the supply was not in fact exempt or had the same means of knowledge as them and could have offered to pay the VAT which was due in respect of the supply as calculated by reference to the commercial price of the supply so that it could be passed on to the tax authority, but omitted to do so. All of that is quite a mouthful, but it will be interesting to see what the Court of Justice of the European Union has to say in response to these questions, and I am sure that we will come back to this case once we have the answers. For now, I think we have to predict that the chance of success for Zipfit and for other companies in a similar position is pretty low. When HMRC said that if Zipvit's appeal was successful, it would mean that they would be getting money from the taxpayer for nothing, 
This is completely true and appears to go against both the substance and the spirit of the European Directive. With that in mind, it is not surprising at all to hear that Zipvit consistently lost in the lower courts. Another point that I would raise that is separate from what has already been discussed is that it is surprising to see the Supreme Court feeling the need to raise a preliminary reference with the Court of Justice. They submitted that the directive was unclear, and the issues raised in this case were not act to Clare, in line with EU law. On the one hand, I can understand that the justices want to be careful and make sure that they get the answer right, but this does seem like a pretty open and shut case. One final thing to bring up before we finish is that the problem with these preliminary reference cases now is that they tend to be reported in the press as the UK not having sovereignty post-Brexit, or judges being beholden to EU courts when that isn't really the case and represents a misunderstanding of what is going on. The fault often lies with Martin Howe QC, who, as the chair of Lawyers for Britain, is closer to a political campaigner than anything else at this point. His complaints about interference with sovereignty are ill-founded because the aim of the Court of Justice in these circumstances is to simply provide an interpretation, and it is the Supreme Court who will eventually hand down the final decision. It therefore becomes ironic that the same Martin Howe who argues against judicial review because judges aren't sticking to simply interpreting the law, is now angry that the justices of the Supreme Court are not making up the law as they go along, and instead are seeking to provide a strict interpretation. The broader point is that while the impatience of Brexiteers is perhaps understandable at this point, it has now been turned into an instant revulsion of anything that even bears some indirect link to the European Union. When the UK leaves, it is not as if VAT is going to stop, because it is a huge source of revenue for the government. But it is also not as if Parliament is going to pass a completely distinct VAT regime on the day we officially leave, for the sake of being different. Some degree of continuity will be important for business, and that might mean we will still use EU law for a period of time, or even base new laws on the existing directives. This is not the end of the world, it has no bearing on the sovereignty of the UK, and if existing jurisprudence from the Court of Justice of the European Union can be of some assistance along the way, then we would be stupid to at least not take it into account. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Remember, you can always go back and check out my YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver. I know it's exam time coming up for a lot of students at the moment, so there will be some interest in um, different subjects. We have a range on the YouTube channel, mostly covering the core subjects, but if you are doing some of the optional subjects as well, also be sure to check out what I have on my Gumroad site, which is available for purchase. Anyway, I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye!